G'day folks, welcome back. It's Mick from Redcliffe Marketing Labs. Today I'm talking with Christian Marnie, and Christian is from the retailguy.com.au. So Christian, you want to tell us how you got to be the retail guy? Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a long story, but uh, to keep it short for the sake of time purposes, uh, I got to be the retail guy because I chose to be, but I've always been in retail since I was 19. Uh, I took a brief hiatus into the world of franchising, which was a uh, an interesting beast on its own, but um, yeah, I stepped back away from franchising and stepped back into retail, and more specifically around coaching and development, sales training, those sorts of things, which is the areas that I seem to like the most about it. So yeah, awesome. All right, well, Christian, pretty much the audience for this is going to be small business owners who are you know, set up in in sort of small shopping centres or on the main street uh, in retail, looking to improve their retail sales and just make life easier as a as a retail business owner. Uh, so, what are the what are the keys for takeaways? What you know? How do, how do you start improving your business as a retailer? Uh, look, I think you know. Again, that's a big question. Um, but the first point about it is, or the first step to take, I believe, would be just, uh, I suppose, admitting or coming to terms with the fact that there, there is room for improvement, um, and trying to sometimes trying to find those things within your own store. You've got the blinkers on. You walk in and out of it every day. And just having someone come in that's uh, fresh eyes and being able to look at the store and the business uh, as an external, I think can add a lot of vision into what's happening and put through a bit more of a worldview on, you know, these are the things that you're doing potentially, these are the things that other people are doing getting success, maybe we should look at exploring some of those things. So the first step to to answer your question, Mick, is to start to uh, explore getting external views on your shop. All right, and get, get some. I know you some examples of where you previously walked into a, a retail store and, and, and things just stand out to you. Or like what? You know, can you give an example of you know either it's staff not coming out and meeting their customers or uh, like what are the what are the key things where you normally walk in that you notice? Yeah, that's that's probably you hit the nail on the head. I think at the moment when I walked into retail stores, uh, as an example, New Year's Day, uh, I got convinced into going for a, a shop with my wife, which was you know. A bad decision, but anyway, um, we you know went to a Westfield, and you know the more and more shops we went into, it was a really common trend that the staff that were in the stores were just not engaged with what they were doing. Now, whether that's a fact that it was New Year's Day, I don't know, but uh, it was you know you almost got the impression from a lot of big retailers uh, that it was more of a uh, it was more hindrance to them being in the in the stores at that time. Now, how that that can draw down to to local businesses and smaller retailers as well. And I think it's just, again, it's a syndrome of walking into the same shop every day. And so retailers, whether it's big, small or medium, you've got to, I guess, keep staff engagement high. And by doing that, um, you need to look at providing variety, you know, with coaching techniques, you know, different little things that you can do to spice things up in, in the same shop every day. Okay, there's a couple of just on staffing before we move away. For, uh, you know, someone's listening to this and they want to go back to their, their store this afternoon and implement one change with their, their, their staff to make a difference. Yeah. What's one quick, easy thing they can, they can talk to the staff about or, or change with their, their staff um, behaviour? I think just sitting down with them and having a chat to them and uh, letting them know that it's okay to, to speak freely, you know, and ask them for feedback about how they're enjoying their position. Um, do they see themselves progressing with... What they're doing at the moment is it a short-term thing, is it a long-term thing, um, and aligning the goals. So with the individual staff team member, you know maybe they want to go overseas in eighteen months' time. 
Um, finding that out now is a better thing than to let it drag on where they just start to procrastinate and time kill and, you know, neither person enjoys the ride that way. So sitting down, the first thing to do with your team is to sit down one-on-one as a business owner and have a chat to them about what their objections and goals are. Okay. Uh, What are other areas then? So, you know, obviously there's fairly common factors across retail. Every store is going to have different, you know, aspects or flavours of that. But staffing is a pretty common factor. Yeah. Uh, what else is our, our retail store uh, involved in? Oh, well, in, in terms of challenges, you mean? Or yeah. Like, okay. you, know, you know, again, every store's going to be different, but if you had to lay out, like, yeah, you know. Yeah, generalise it. Um, yeah, so staffing engagement's one. I think the, the common one out there would be, um, you know, lack of cash flow, lack of customers. You know, that's always the one, if I was to talk to any retailer, a key frustration, you know, the market's down, you know, the global financial crisis hit five years ago and we're still feeling the aftermath of that. Um, it's not necessarily the reason, uh, you know, the culprits are deeper than that and it comes down to, you know, staff engagement. But, you know, otherwise it's, you know, uh, lack of cash flow to be able to put together a sustainable marketing program um, yep. to bring customers back. Um, as I said, staff engagement. The other ones are, you know, having the... Um, cash flow to then be able to support stock levels and, and take risks on some, you know, potential new things that might start to bring people in. So, you know, imagine if you were the first retailer to start ranging GoPro, you yep. know, um, those sorts of things, you know. And to, to be the first, there's a risk there and you need the cash flow to take that risk away as a retailer. So, you know, to, to summarise there, the big three are uh, the common trends within any retailer, big or small, uh, lack of cash flow and customers, Lack of staff engagement and uh, marketing and, and backing a marketing campaign through. All right, so a bit of chicken and the egg there because you obviously yeah. need cash flow to do some of the other things. Yep. Uh, is there easy, quick wins folks can look for in their cash flow? Uh, well, yeah, there's no easy way. I mean, the first point of it is just look, you know, like, and I think that's, you know, just to be able to dissect your business back down to, you know, is it uh, a global thing or is it, you know, do, am I carrying stock that is no, is redundant? You know, yeah. is it too old? Do I need to move my range slightly, augment it in a certain way of, you know? Um, I can't really generalise that for everyone because it's hard to generalise a hard, you know, handy hard man store with, you know, a, a push bike store. Yeah. Um, but, you know, each store is going to have their fundamental basics that they build their store around and then there's going to be the fringe stock that they help package up, you know, the fundamentals. So, is it a fundamental range issue or is it, you know, do you need the fringe stock to be more complementary? Uh, does that need to change? Give some examples, like just for different industries or uh, without naming stores, can yep. you give a more concrete sort of example of that? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, from a previous retail environment that I worked in for many a year, um, you know, being able to identify a core problem. So, is it the lack of range that they had in licensed products, so NRL jerseys, AFL jerseys, those sorts of things. Um, and at, at one stage it was, you know, it was a, we had a limited range, it was doing really well, but to take that next level we had to actually expand the range to, you know, cover all teams, all things, all sizes. And um, that then changed the scope of what Rebel at that time was seen for. So prior to that it was predominantly an equipment retailer and then all of a sudden... The, the Socceroos made the World Cup and things changed on its head and it was just being able to realise that and then take the plunge. And I know that's a big retail story, but scaling that back to the little person, the little guy on the street, um, knowing that 
there's a, a change in the market and then being able to augment your range so that you can back it bigger um, and then hopefully supply the masses a bit more or your tribe a bit more and they'll come, come keep coming back. I'll talk a lot about ant, uh, ant trails and knowing what your ant trail items are. So an ant trail item is something, as an example, where you're never out of stock. You're, you're always the cheapest. You know, um, Jerry Harvey used to make sure that he was ne- they were never out of stock of printer cartridges. They were always the cheapest, even if they lost money, okay? Um, so you're almost talking like a loss leader just to get people back in. Yeah, so his theory is if, if um, you know, you put a dollop of honey on a kitchen bench, the ants will keep coming until the dollop of honey's gone. So he made sure that that dollop of honey was never, it was never evaporated. It was always there, so the ants kept coming back. So knowing that as well is a key thing, you know, knowing what your customers want. And that really is, it needs to be itemised per retailer. You know, you can't apply the same. It, it, it could be a big item for a, a bike store. You know, it could be a specialised bike, you know, that is the thing that people are after. That. So business owners need to stay attuned to what their customers are telling them as well. So that could be just staying behind the registers, getting out on the shop floor, talking with their customers more frequently. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of words there. You talked about, you know, tribe and niche. And in fact, you know, maybe having that one particular item or area items that you specialise in. How are you seeing retail sort of move between small retailers, medium retailers, and the large retailers? What's sort of happening in that space as far as um, focus of, of shops and, and um, product lines? Yeah, well, we spoke about this just before we, we clicked record, but um, I think this morning the. the uh, you know, there was a big announcement around retailing, um, especially small retailers taking some steady increases, backed on the fact that niche products, niche markets are becoming, you know, more sought after. You know, so um, you know it might be a soap retailer that just does, you know, a really lavish range of soaps. Now all of a sudden, that's a commodity that the tribe, as we call it, will want and keep coming back for. And whether it's seen as the you know the flavour of the month, I don't know. I think that people are tuning off from retailers trying to do everything and anything sort yep. of substandardly. They would rather a retailer do something really really well and give them an excuse to come to that store. Um, because as a retailer, we know with uh, online shopping becoming such a beast that it is, uh, you've really got to give them an excuse to come to your shop and to keep coming back. You know that this. The service, the range, the experience has to be theatrical, um, you know, mind blowing almost, you know, and anything below that, it gives your customers an excuse to go and buy online. So, with with regards to you know the small niche market of retail versus what we call the mini majors um, or the majors, the mini majors are feeling the squeeze, you know, because they're trying to do all things to all, all people but not getting any of it right in some extent. Um, obviously, the big guys are doing what they can because of purchase prices, mass it's media marketing. Yep. You know, they're just the big players. Um, and, you know, I, I think that now is as good a time as any for people to niche down and really become a, a specialised retailer in a very niche area and do it really well and flourish as a result of that. Okay, so niching down, down there's different ways you can do that, obviously, geographic product range all sort of intangible service type things. So what ways can a, a store um, you know, develop on that? Yeah. Um, if people are thinking, okay, I'm too broad, too general, I don't have a, a really focused set, where can they look at trying to become more specialised? Well, I think doing a snapshot of your, your com- doing some competitor analysis and where your retail shop fits in with the market mix. And I would, I would try and keep it local because we are talking, I believe, to a Redcliffe um, local market yep. here. So... 
for you know the Redcliffe or the northern suburbs of Brisbane, you know, look, looking at how your particular store fits into the market and what piece of the pie do you have that? You're not probably going to be able to get some you know categoric data on that. It's going to just be talking to people, you know, asking around, getting online and having a look at ranges, going in and doing mystery shopping on your competitors if you want to. You may even be friends with some other people who retail the same product that you can just go and talk to and get a vibe from. That's going to give you some really good, I suppose, not domain knowledge, but some sound knowledge about where are the opportunities that you can start to identify to niche down. So, you know, not trying to be all things to all people, finding one product or a range of products that you can really become deep on I say deep because you can range deep so you can carry more stock of it, not run out, the old ant trail theory. You can train your staff better to be able to sell that product. So, so there's no something exactly. you know that you Exactly. So you go from 100 products down to, say, you know, 20. You know, that becomes domain knowledge around those 20 products versus becoming okay knowledge around 100. Um, you can leverage your supplier relationships a lot more because you might be able to buy more quantities off a supplier and therefore be able to negotiate whether it's marketing, um, co-op allowances, getting them to come and support you in store on a busy time during a Saturday and sell for you, uh, in-store setup, promotional activity, uh, getting them to badge your retail site as a you know a, a supplier or a stockist of that particular item. So there's lots of different things you can do as a result of being able to go deep versus be going thin and wide. Okay. Yeah. And that getting that wholesale supplier support, do you think a lot of businesses don't sort of chase it up? Should they, they be going back and getting trying to ask for more support from their suppliers? Yeah, I think the little guys fear having that discussion with... And yeah, not so much fear, but they ask once and they get a no and then they don't go back again, yep. you know. Um, you know, Jerry... We, for anyone who doesn't know, you know, the time back when Jerry first started retailing computers, you know, just walked away from Apple at the start because they weren't prepared to play the game. Now, that's a different beast, but the theory was he had principles and he knew what he wanted and he had to start small and work up and eventually, you know, the you know, the Toshibas and the bigger brands came around, but, you know, he had to arrange other brands. But taking that story and applying it to the, to the smaller retailers in Redcliffe... Um, with negotiating and talking to your suppliers, it really comes down to how well you can connect with them on a one-to-one level. Um, how how much stock you're buying from them obviously has a you know that carries weight, but also how prepared are you to just keep going back and asking and sticking your hand out because you know these guys will support and often do support the bigger player, and it's because you know the the, the squeakiest wheel gets always the oil. You just got to become the squeakiest wheel, you know. So keep going back and pushing. And any win's a good win, you know. So whether it's negotiating, taking a higher order quantity, but saying, "Look, if I don't hit a sell through of seventy percent on this within three months, can you take the stock back, or can we do a, can we do a stock swap?" You know, so taking the risk out of the purchase yeah. for a little retailer, that's a big win, you know. Like because then all of a sudden, if you don't hit that. And you can swap the stock or better yet return it for credit. You're freeing up your cash flow again. Yeah, it's not seeing your shelves and being sort of old. Um, Online shopping. Mm -hmm. uh, Again, the council here in the last couple of years done several sort of business uh, confidence surveys and things like that. And one of the factors that always comes up is this fear or complaints or comments about um, eroding sales just to do online shopping. Should small businesses be trying to, you know, fight that or should they be joining it and getting in with online stores to complement their bricks and mortar business? What are the, you know, is it a, is it a one or the other? Is it a both? What should folks be doing? Yeah, 
my gut tells me that if you're a small retailer with a niche product or a range, you know, sure, have a website. I wouldn't encourage e-commerce. You know, I think when you go e-commerce, then it becomes about price. It's two-dimensional. Okay. So, you, you know, you buy the product online. There's no face-to-face interaction. And as I said earlier, there's no theatre, you know. So for a small retailer, you, you're, um, and where people are succeeding now is being able to provide theatre, being able to provide a three-dimensional shopping experience, um, you know, um, Brad Smith from BRAP, you know, being able to teach kids with MS how to ride motorcycles, those sorts of things, you know. So um, looking at that, if you go into e-commerce, it, you're stripping yourself back away into a 2D and, you know, the Zappos and the Amazons are just going to win that war based on price and, yep. and, you know, that's not what you want to be. Okay. What about the argument that we can actually open up that way you're open 24 hours so... Folks can you know, still come to the store, maybe pick it up, and that they can actually order outside of normal business hours. Is there an argument? I don't know. Like, are you seeing any sort of? Feedback well, there's certainly there's certainly there's certainly business owners that will say, you know, well, what about that? Yep. And my, I guess, rebuttal to that is, well, you know, why do you have to be open 24 hours? You know, you're a niche market retailer in Redcliffe or in, you know, Melbourne somewhere. Uh, do you want to be trying to sell stock to someone in Denver? You know, like, is that really what you want to be doing or do you want to be talking to... So it, it, getting back in line with what your end goal is, if you want to build a business that's local and holds local power and, you know, has that dream of becoming a commodity within your local market, then I don't know if e-commerce is the answer. I think it's it's more about being just a great brick-and-mortar retailer. You're still going to need a website, as I said, just to be able to, you know, leverage marketing power. But, you know, I think... When you start going into e-commerce, there's additional costs that come into that as well. Um, you know, almost if it, if it starts to become a bigger thing, then you've got to put someone on also to do that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah I, I would just, I wouldn't say don't do it. I would just say make sure that it's in line with what your vision is, what the end goal is. If you want to be selling all the time to everywhere in the world, well then, e-commerce is an option. But if you just want to be a retailer that nails it in your local area. Uh, probably not. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what sort of services can folks get off you as the, the retail guy? So what sort of things are you looking at? Um, how can they engage you? Um, and what should they sort of do next after listening to this interview? Yeah, okay. Um, well, the website, obviously, theretailguy.com.au. That's uh, my main touch point. Uh, it's got my mobile phone number on there. Feel free to give me a call directly there or send through an inquiry. Um I'm providing a 45-minute free retail audit where I come in um, and have a look at the shop and talk to the business owner. You know, uh, I, I suppose flesh out you know the frustrations and fears and, and look at where they want to head with their business and be able to provide at least one to five steps that they can start to take, and that's all obligation-free. Um, so you know, it's just me walking in having a chat. Um, and if they're in other states of Australia, you know, via Skype, I suppose. So it's a little bit more. Uh, communicated based but um, yeah that's where you can find me obviously the website and the phone number and the services I provide outside of that are um, you know selling and sales training uh, coaching leadership development uh, group presentations and group training for you know how to sell businesses uh, business, how to sell products services those sorts of things um, one-on-one coaching as well with retail owners all right cheers Christian so folks have been listening to Christian Marnie from the retailguide.com.au He's actually got a free report on the website if you go and download the 11 levers of retail conversion. So, very worth your while checking that out. Look, if you did take Christian up on the offer and he comes in your store and gives you some good tips, 
I'd love to get the feedback and uh, leave a comment on the website, redcliffmarketinglabs.com.au. Until next time, thanks for listening in, and I'll chat to you soon. Cheers.